Well, for the third week in a row now, St. Paul has talked about wisdom. All right, Wisdom, remember, is a practical knowledge that enables us to live a happy, healthy life. All right, Wisdom, we might say, is common sense about being successful and fulfilled. But St. Paul contrasts two types of wisdom. He speaks of human wisdom throughout this letter to the Corinthians, but he also speaks about a wisdom that comes from God. And as we talked about two weeks ago, human wisdom has a very different set of values than the wisdom that comes from God. Human wisdom in our own day, as well as in the day in which St. Paul was writing, teaches that wealth is essential to happiness. The common sense of the world is that if you want to lead a fulfilling life, you must be rich. The wisdom that comes from God, however, teaches us that material wealth has little to do with happiness. Rather, being rich in virtue is what truly makes a person happy. Being in right relationship with God and with other people is what truly makes a person happy. Human wisdom teaches us that pleasure is something to be valued very highly, to be pursued at all costs, whereas divine wisdom shows us how fleeting pleasure actually is. Divine wisdom takes a hold of us as we mature in the spiritual life. That's what St. Paul's talking about here. He's talking to mature people. In order to receive the gift of divine wisdom, you really have to take a deep look at yourself as well as the world around you. This isn't easy to do. It can be frightening to examine deeply held beliefs. And it can be difficult to look closely at past mistakes and acknowledge the damage that some of our decisions have inflicted upon us and upon others. It takes a very mature person to do that. But if you don't do that, you're not going to grow in divine wisdom. St. Paul goes on. He says that the wisdom that comes from God is mysterious and hidden. All right, We need to look deeply for divine wisdom because it isn't obvious. Don't expect the wisdom that comes from God to jump out at you. Don't expect it to show up on CNN or on Fox News. Don't expect it to show up in Hollywood films. Don't expect it to show up all over your Facebook feed. All right, divine wisdom, it might even sound foolish at first. Certain aspects of Catholic social teaching, for example, they might sound foolish to you if you're dipping into human wisdom to try and understand it. The church's vision for sexuality and the moral issues pertaining to sexuality, they sound foolish to our human wisdom. All right, this moral vision that the church gives us, it sounds completely impractical. It sounds foolish on the surface. But as we've heard over the last few weeks, divine wisdom is supposed to sound foolish especially when we look at it through our human wisdom. But do you know what the most foolish thing that we believe as Catholics? Do you know what the most foolish thing is that we believe as Catholics?
The most foolish thing that we believe is that a man died, and three days later he came back to life. And then he bodily ascended into heaven, sent the Holy Spirit down among us. That is outrageous. That is the most difficult thing our faith asks us to believe. And it astounds me. It astounds me that people will believe that and find it unbelievable that the church would tell people not to abort pregnancies, for example. It boggles my mind that people will say, I believe Jesus rose from the dead, and then so easily dismiss other aspects of our Catholic faith or our Catholic life. The resurrection of Jesus is so much more foolish than anything else the Catholic Church asks you to believe. Our entire religious tradition is foolish when you consider it through human ways of thinking. But to understand these things, and we can understand them, it requires a very deep look at the world. It requires a deep examination of human beings and how they think and how they behave. So I'm going to give a bit of an example here. And the only reason I'm using this as an example is because, uh, well, first of all, obviously, I think it uh, sort of is a good illustration of what I'm talking about. But it's also World Marriage Sunday. So I want to talk about something that pertains to marriage. And uh, I'm not, my purpose here, you know, I'm not, I'm not judging anybody for their current decisions, their current living situation, and I'm not judging anybody for past decisions that they may have made. My purpose here is just to shed light on an issue so that you can experience some freedom and do the right thing and help you to see some things that, again, might be obvious to divine wisdom but aren't obvious to human wisdom. And what I want to talk about is cohabitation before marriage. All right, worldly human wisdom, it teaches us that it's a good idea for romantic couples who aren't married to move in with each other. All right, according to human wisdom, moving in together is a big step forward in a relationship. And I understand why that is. All right? First of all, it seems like a good way to figure out if you're really compatible. All right, couples, many couples who decide that they want to move in together, it's not because they don't have any respect for marriage. They actually have a great respect for marriage. They don't want to mess it up. Marriage is a big deal, and they want to make sure that their boyfriend or girlfriend will be a good spouse. Moving in together seems like a big step forward to that, a way that they're going to be able to determine if they really do truly love this person. Another reason that couples move in together is because it's convenient. All right? Most couples, they move in together because they want to spend some time together. Completely understandable. Economically, it's very beneficial because they start to share expenses rather than living alone. So from a worldly perspective, it makes a ton of sense. I get it. 
But then the church comes along with its Bible and says, you know what? It's actually a lot better that you don't move in together until you stand up in front of each other's family and friends and the church and pledge your fidelity to each other. And people say, that's insane. Who could possibly believe this? Well, I do. I believe that, and I think I do so for some good reasons. Because very often, some of these cohabiting couples, they wind up getting stuck with each other. They realize it isn't working, but the difficulty of breaking it off after they've invested so much is very extreme. They live apart. They break up, and he goes back to his place, and she goes back to her place, and it's very sad, of course, but it's over. Breakups aren't that easy when you live together. Couples have already invested so much time and energy that it's incredibly difficult to cut their losses and move on. Not only is the breakup itself difficult, you have to look for a brand new place to live. That in and of itself takes a ton of time and energy. You actually have to move out. That's very difficult as well. That's not an easy thing to do. Then you have to face your friends and family and answer all their questions about how such a seemingly serious and wonderful relationship went south. That can be embarrassing for some people. And a lot of people find that all too difficult. They say, you know what? It would just be a lot easier if I dealt with it, tried to make it work. Maybe I'll just give them one more chance. And then that becomes one more chance and another. And it goes on and on and on. But even if it does work, even if it does work and a couple doesn't get to that point, a lot of these couples, they've placed several things at the center of their relationship that won't last. Oftentimes the couple has unwittingly placed money, convenience, and pleasure at the heart of their relationship. And that isn't exactly what's going to help a relationship flourish. Those are the exact things that human wisdom teaches us is important. Divine wisdom points us to other things. It teaches us that patience is very important in a marriage. Living apart might foster some patience. teaches us that doing God's will is the most important thing. And divine wisdom is something that is available to us. In fact, we might even point out that the saints, the saints that we celebrate in the church, they've actually tapped into divine wisdom. If the saints that we celebrate have in fact tapped into divine wisdom, that is to say they've started to think like God thinks, we can see that divine wisdom causes us to see the world very differently from the average man 
or woman. But every saint had to take a deep look into their own lives and make a decision to turn away from sin and leave everything behind and follow the Lord. That sounds incredibly foolish to our human ways of thinking. St. Francis of Assisi sounds foolish to our human ways of thinking. Mother Teresa, her life sounds foolish to our human ways of thinking. Both these saints and all the others left everything behind to follow the Lord. That's so foolish, and yet it is exactly what God is asking all of us to do so that we can live in the world just like he lived in the world.